Hi, I'm Bernard Leung and you may know me as the executive who wants to stop driving and sit on a self-driving electric car and in my spare time I want to find out about the state of electric cars in China and why companies like Xiaopeng Motors are poised to give Tesla a ride for their lives. You're listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business, technology and media in Asia and today I have Rema, founder of Transformative Technology Academy and host of Tech Bus China podcast. Welcome Rema and it's great to have you back here again on Analyze Asia. Thanks so much. It's great to be back. And since our last conversation, what have you been up to? Well, I've been working continuously on the podcast, so we are not quite at episode 300. We are close to approaching episode 50, so and we celebrated our 1-year anniversary. Yeah, so that's been really fun. Congratulations on your episode 50 and you have also gone bi-weekly with your episodes as well, right? Yeah, just like the weekly output was too much. <laughs> and I think very interesting thing I've been listening to your podcast and I like the episodes regarding influencer marketing like Ruhan that you all talk about. You want to talk a little bit about what you have done with that particular sector that I think is not very well covered in the rest of the world from China. Yeah, that's what we've been trying to do. So, first of all, we are now really trying to focus more on larger companies, so either newly public companies, internet giants or companies that are close to becoming public. And again, the thesis is that we are trying to focus on sectors that are relatively speaking undercovered in English press but are sort of a big deal in Chinese press. And so, for example, the influencer marketing company talked about um that was actually a pretty small IPO, but it made a big splash in chinese media because of the fact that it was the first of its kind to go public and i think also it's one of the examples of where in some sense that sector in china is actually far more developed or at least far better monetized than in the rest of the world and that's what we've been focused on Mm. I felt it's also very underappreciated in the US because the equivalent of these companies are not IPO and doesn't reach that kind of scale that you see in China. Yeah, no, they're generally still, you know, series A, series B companies, whereas you mentioned Ruhan, it actually went public in China first and then delisted and then recently relisted in the US. Mm. And I also like the episode on Jewel of China, the one on e-cigarettes. I mean, I totally didn't realize that it's actually only owned by I think somewhere between four to ten tobacco companies, and they are not even in the e-cigarette category. <laughs> yeah, we thought that was interesting too. Actually, that trend's been going on. I think we said in the episode been for a while that everyone's been saying this is the next big thing, especially now that. you know smartphone penetration has reached sort of a all-time high and then you know there's less to do in that industry so you actually see a lot of the entrepreneurs or founding employees who've started smartphone companies go into e-cigarettes since a lot of the concepts are similar. Mm. So Rima I got you here today actually I have listened to one of your podcast episodes on new which you talk about new the electric car company in China that has recently gone public but instead of just building on that story I've decided that I would like to take a different angle to the story so that we can go into a much deeper conversation on the state of electric vehicles in China 
So I'm going to start with the story of Xiaopeng Motors because you talk a little bit about it during your podcast. So I'm going to use this opportunity to actually expand that conversation. So I will see that as a compliment to your episode in TechBus. So I want to start off by just giving the audience an introduction. Xiaopeng Motors is an electric car company which has recently raised somewhere around 4 billion RMB, which is the equivalent of a US 587 million, depending on the exchange rates backed by Alibaba Group and a lot of prominent investors. And unlike Neo, it's also a step up to go into what is called the luxury electric car segment. And Tesla is also in town now. So to start off the conversation, maybe I want to get an understanding of Xiaopeng Motors. Can you tell me a little bit about the vision and mission of this company? And I think the founder, He Xiaopeng, is a very interesting character. So maybe we start from Xiaopeng Motors and then we go into his background. Yeah, sure. So Xiaopeng Motors is often mentioned in the same breath as NIO, which is the company that we did do a podcast on last fall when it went public in the US. So the NIO, that's spelled N-I-O. So similar to NIO, and part of the reason why they're sort of generally mentioned in the same breath is because they are both founded by serial entrepreneurs who come from the internet space, so not from the automotive space. And also like Neo, they're backed by sort of internet giants, right? So in the case of Xiaopeng, it started by He Xiaopeng, who was a serial entrepreneur and his company was acquired by Alibaba. So when he spun out and, you know, started Xiaopeng, an electric vehicle company, he was backed by Alibaba. And one of the main missions that he has is he believes that, you know, in China, we talk about in the tech space that China leapfrogged sort of the PC era and sort of went straight into mobile internet. You see entrepreneurs applying that sort of metaphor to their startups all the time. And he believes that there's now the time for electric vehicles to also go straight into the mobile internet era. So what he says is, you know, Tesla was started over 10 years ago before, you know, smartphones became popular. But now Xiaopeng being started just a few years back in 2017 has opportunity to build a car from scratch and completely reimagine the vehicle. To give you some examples of what he's talking about in their latest sort of product release. He talks about how Xiaopeng is, of course, going to have an autonomous driving system, but the intelligent vision system that they're going to have is going to have, you know, for example, recognize the driver's face automatically and then adjust the settings based on, you know, the driver. And also they're going to have personalized seating, navigation, music, and other settings be able to hold more than one account. And then it will also log that specific driver account and to ensure that the driving record is private and safe. Xiaopeng also said it'll have an in-car smart camera. And then, you know, like basically planning to have a lot of features that will basically have a truly smart car. And he likens most cars today to sort of functional flip phone. And he believes Xiaopeng can have all the software and engineering that's available now to make it sort of the truly smartphone of electric vehicles. And then going on, you know, Bernard, you asked about the chairman himself. The chairman, like I said, was one of the main founders behind UC Web. He was actually the technical co-founder and UC Web was China's leading mobile web browser. 
So it was founded in 2014. It had mobile search, gaming, mobile reading, etc. When it was acquired by Alibaba, it had more than 66% market share in China. And it was also one of the leading browsers in India, as well as many other countries. It actually had over half a billion users. And when it was acquired by Alibaba, that was the largest acquisition in Chinese tech at the time. That was about $4.3 billion. And that made He Xiaopeng into a billionaire. So after UC Web was acquired by Alibaba, He Xiaopeng served there as an executive for a while, but ultimately decided to leave to start his own company in electric vehicles. And the company, Xiaopeng, is named after himself. Mm. Thank you for giving the background of He Xiaopeng. I mean, UC Web is probably something equivalent of the level of Mozilla Firefox or Chrome browser because of such a huge market share within China itself. I want to start by understanding the structure behind Xiaopeng Motors a bit more. Does Xiaopeng Motor build their own cars? Where and how do they produce their electric cars? Because how I understood it was that Neo doesn't do it by themselves. They contract it to someone to do contract manufacturing. Or are they in the same line of thinking as well? Yeah, so Xiaopeng and Neo are very similar. Both currently use a contract manufacturer to make their cars, but both have plans to set up their own manufacturing plant. So Xiaopeng, right now, they manufacture their model G3 at a manufacturing plant owned by Haima in China. For their own manufacturing base, it's currently under construction, and they expect the facility to be completed by the end of this year. But basically, the reason why both these companies are going with contract manufacturers is, as you can imagine, it takes a really long time and it's quite expensive to make your own facility. Neo, by the way, works with JAC, which is another large automaker in China. They actually recently announced that their plans for their own facility would be delayed, and that actually led to a drop in their stock price. But anyway, back to Xiaopeng. Right now, the employees at Xiaopeng are primarily engaged in R&D, so not too much manufacturing staff. In fact, they recruited over 2,000 people in 2018, and 70% of them work on R&D, right? Because they are making their own software, their own operating system, etc. When He Xiaopeng spoke at the Boao Forum in China, which is, you know, sort of like China's version of the, I guess, World Economic Forum or whatever, he said that his target was to increase production from 1,000 vehicles to at least 3,000 per month. And he is hoping that he'll be able to deliver 10,000 cars by July. Just to give your listeners a sense of the scale of that number, that's actually not very much, right? So Xiaopeng just started delivering their cars at the beginning of this year. It's an SUV that they're making right now, and they want to ultimately be able to make 1,000 of them per week and 40,000 by the end of this year. In comparison, Tesla, which is like the you know, leading electric car vehicle everyone compares themselves to. Tesla produced, you know, almost 90,000 vehicles in the fourth quarter alone. So Xiaopeng in the whole year is going to be producing less than half of what Tesla made in one quarter. But that's still pretty good for, I guess, a first year in operations. Mm. And they sold about 4,800 cars based on 
the numbers that I think you were sharing with me before the podcast, right? Yeah. Xiaopeng has disclosed that they've sold about 4,800 cars so far. By the way, when Neo went public, they had just started delivering cars. So it was well less than 1,000. So Xiaopeng is, like I said, these two companies are often compared to each other, is a little bit behind, but not too far behind. I would probably just add one more number. is the number of cars that's made by Toyota per year. Based on what I understand from some of the analysts out there, Toyota being the largest manufacturing of the normal petroleum cars or hybrid cars actually produces up to 250,000 cars per quarter, up to a million cars per year. Separated, of course, globally across different parts of the world with the different markups. And I think this is a very interesting comparison how far Tesla is with regards to Toyota. It's now producing almost one quarter of the number of vehicles, which is pretty impressive given how far they have come. But I guess the more interesting question is, recently they've unveiled their latest car, which is a G3 in CES, and the car is priced at about US 47,000 compared to a Tesla Model 3's price at US 30K, except that I think in the business model for Tesla Model 3, the charging actually you have to pay for it. So can you talk about the different car models which they've done so far and what are they doing with them? Yes, so the Tesla Model 3 is a sedan, but actually for both Neo and Xiaopeng, they're starting off with SUVs. However, both of them have also promised they'll be shortly launching a sedan. And for Xiaopeng, that sedan is going to be called the P7. It's going to have 370 mile range. And, you know, a lot of the features are actually very similar to Tesla. So it's going to have sort of hidden handles. It's going to have, you know, very aerodynamic design. And it's going to have a 0 to 60 mile acceleration of just 4 seconds. And it's going to have all the new gadgets like chips from Qualcomm and NVIDIA, etc. At least this is what was announced at CES. I actually don't know if that's going to be affected by the trade war. That's actually something maybe interesting you can consider. But for NEO, it's also the same, but they have released less details than Xiaopeng on their sedan, which is going to be called the ET7. And Neo and Xiaopeng, like I said, both are mass producing currently right now SUVs. For Neo, they have a newer version called the ES8, which they're just starting to receive deposits back in December of last year. Like I said, you know, for the price that we're talking about, which is a Xiaopeng car at $47,000, you're actually getting an SUV, not a sedan. So that's one of the key differences between actually Xiaopeng and Neo, which is that Xiaopeng's cars are significantly cheaper. In fact, if you look at the basic models, they're about half the price of a Neo, which is, I guess, if you think about it, more directly comparable to the premium brand image that Tesla is going after. That's interesting. So I want to just take a little slide back to William Lee being Neo's celebrity founder. I guess... According to your podcast, and you mentioned that he actually created a car company or PowerPoints. <laughs> and there's some very interesting rivalry between Libin and the other EV car company founders and tech founders. So can you talk about him as a personality and why is he so interesting in terms of being a founder of an electric car company then? Yeah, so William is often called in China as sort of the godfather of transportation. And that's because he had 
a pretty successful track record as both an entrepreneur and investor in this space. So he started a company called BitAuto, which is a publicly listed company, you know, focused on the automotive space in China. That company do not make any cars, but they operate a website that is car related. So if you go to the website, you'll see that it's sort of like cars.com, consumer reports, and auto trader all rolled into one. And like I said, this company has been publicly listed for a while. But besides that, he's also been investing in a lot of companies, and some of the unicorn companies he's invested in. You might have heard of one of them, for example, is Mobike, the bike sharing company in China that was sold to Meituan for almost three billion dollars last year. He was actually one of the co-founders as well as angel investors, and I really call him a co-founder because the story goes that this really was his idea. And he had a lot of very specific product vision for the company. He just didn't join on an operational level. So his investor track record is quite good. He has five unicorns out of thirty-two investments. So, and that's why he's called the transportation godfather. When you were referring to the fact that some people say he's created a car company out of powerpoints, they're really referring to the fact that. Well, first of all, when he went and raised money, people gave him money without him actually having a prototype. But I would say that's pretty typical, right, of people who are making cars. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of money to make a prototype. But also, like I said, when Neo went public, it had actually just started delivering cars. So he had basically raised hundreds of millions of dollars before anyone had seen a single car. And that reminded people of another famous entrepreneur called Jia Yueting in China, who started a company called La Echo, actually. And that company was trying to make a car called Faraday Future, and it turned out to be effectively a scam, a fraud, because he also raised billions of dollars, but. He was unable to deliver even a you know working prototype. So a lot of people in China were. Quite burned from Jia Yueting's false promises, and considered a lot of the electric vehicle entrepreneurs to be sort of full of hot air. So they were very skeptical when William, you know, came out and said he was going to make an EV. Luckily for us, Neo Neo has not turned out to be a fraud and is actually delivering cars. But that hasn't stopped some people from, like I said. Calling this entire space, by the way, not just William, to be entrepreneurs building companies out of pure PowerPoint. And this is pretty interesting, right? Because well, now if we start expanding the scope of the EV market in China a little bit out, just beyond Xiaopeng, and you know there is also WM Moto, there is also Baiten, and there is also BYD. Which is actually a battery company, but now I think is an electric vehicle company as well. So I guess my first question is, how are these EV car companies differ from each other in terms of how they approach the large Chinese market? Yeah. So the really quick answer is that existing manufacturers, for example, like BYD, who's been making electric vehicles for a long time. They are focused on a completely different market, and their cars look very, very different from the sort of EV startups that we're talking about, like Xiaopeng and Neo. So most of those manufacturers, and there are tons of them in China, are making cars that are very simple. They're battery powered, but other than that, they really don't have anything in common with 
what you might think of as sort of the next generation EV, like a Tesla. They're very simple. They're generally around $10,000. And honestly, if you look up photos of them on the internet, to me, they really look more like golf carts, right? They're very small. They look like the Mercedes smart cars or maybe the Fiat 500 series. They're not like your fancy Model 3s or model X's or whatever. However, for Baitan and Weima, those are direct competitors to Xiaofeng and Neo and, you know, in a sense, Tesla. They are really are making the next generation sort of very intelligent, very smart electric vehicles. The difference is that they have a slightly different model. So earlier, remember, we were saying that Xiaofeng and Neo are starting off by using contract manufacturers. Well, both Waymo and Baitan are starting off with their own manufacturing facilities. So it is taking them a bit longer, right? However, because they are making their own facilities, the argument is that they'll have more control over the process. And hopefully that leads to better results in the long run. Waymo is funded, by the way, by Baidu. It's got a similar price point as Xiaopeng. So we're talking about, you know, starting off at the mid $30,000 range. And it's already raised $3.3 billion, including a last round this March. Baitan, which I also think is really, really interesting, is actually started by not Chinese entrepreneurs, but foreign entrepreneurs. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a Chinese EV startup, although a lot of the funding has come from China. They're started by BMW veteran Karsten Bretfield. And he has put together a truly international team. So they have R&D here in Silicon Valley, manufacturing in China. And while they're seeking to start selling their cars in China, they plan to shortly thereafter launch also sell in the US and Europe. So they're really trying to be a global company from day one. Also, they are generating buzz because Last year at CS, they announced that they were developing their own vehicle operating system, app ecosystem, and interface. And their car has like this huge screen, if you look at the prototype, and they're going to be collecting information like monitoring your health while you're driving in the car. So it's really, really different, actually, in terms of their vision, even more advanced, I would say, than Xiaopeng or Neo. Just to complete the picture, I think Wayma is WM Motors and it's also funded by Baidu, right? Yes, Wayma is funded by Baidu. So the BAT have complete entry into electric cars. I mean, Xiaopeng is funded by Alibaba, New is funded by Tencent, and Wayma is funded by Baidu. Complete. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm also very curious to know, given that the Chinese government has been thinking a lot about going green, have they, like, the U.S. government during the Obama era been supportive of EVs, like offering similar types of incentives and subsidies for the Chinese consumer? Yeah, for sure. So the Chinese government was really trying to support the industry. And one of the main things they did, like in the U.S., was offer a consumer subsidy. And that ranged from about $2,000 to over $7,000. And that was dependent on the range of the car. So the longer the range, the higher subsidy because, you know, the more complex the vehicle is. They also had a thing where you could get a license plate much easier if you bought an electric vehicle. So in China, in many of the tier one, tier two cities that are very crowded, you can buy a car, but you actually need to go through this whole process to get 
a license plate for your car and be able to drive it within city limits. That process is called Yao Hao. So for most vehicles, it was like a lottery system, and you could like actually wait years before you acquired a license plate. But for electric vehicles, most cities, including for example Beijing, allowed you to just simply apply for the license. It was just sort of like waiting in line, and because not that many people were buying electric vehicles, you had a much higher chance. Of getting a working license plate, if you did buy an EV. However, I do want to say that the Chinese government is now really slashing subsidies, and they have the intention of eventually eliminating all the financial support in this industry. And the reason is that they want the industry to be more globally competitive. And you know, giving subsidies is sort of a crutch. It helps the industry get started, but you don't want to. Do that forever, or else your companies are not going to be, you know, as competitive. So in March, they announced that the subsidies are basically you can consider it as basically being cut in half, and that actually really affected Neo's stock price because people saw slowdowns and are expecting further slowdowns of car sales. And so Neo is affected because of the loss of the subsidies. But how about the other companies? Are they okay in terms of when the subsidies is removed, or do they also are affected in the same way as Neo? I guess a rising tide lifts all boats, but it can also sink all boats as well. Yeah, I mean Neo is the farthest ahead at this point in terms of cars delivered. So Xiaopeng actually, we can see their monthly sales, and maybe it's because they're just ramping up production. It doesn't look like they've been affected, but the other two haven't even started delivering cars. The other two new electric vehicle startups that we're talking about haven't actually started delivering, so we don't know. So far, doesn't seem that you know people have slowed down deposits for them. But again, these are pretty high-end vehicles, so not like you know hundreds of thousands of people rushing to buy these cars yet. I'm very curious to know what is the business model for Xiaopeng Motors. Is it similar to Tesla and Neo, or it, does it has its own way of making a purchase? So, like for example, Tesla, you have to go to their own showroom. You can buy it directly from them. I mean, in some U.S. states, based on the policy, is they can't even actually sell without going through the distributor. So what they do is they have Tesla clubs、mm-hmm. where people just go in and see the car and then they make the purchase.、Mm-hmm. I guess for Xiaopeng Motors and Neo, do they have the same situation, or are they doing it differently in China? I would say the business model in terms of how they're selling the cars, yeah, it's very similar. Xiaopeng, Neo, and Tesla—they're all controlling their own sales channels. Neo, in particular, is building these sort of high-end—they call it Neo House, which is almost like a clubhouse for their owners and yeah, fans, enthusiasts. So it's not just a showroom, but it's actually a place where you can go hang out. I don't know, really know why you would want to do that, but I saw one in Shanghai that had just opened when I was there at the end of last year, and you know it's like a very fancy place in a very high end mall, and you could sit down, drink coffee, and talk to other car owners, and talk to the staff, and watch videos of what's coming up in Neo cars, the features that are being developed. So it's that kind of place. Xiaopeng is much more low key because again their price point is only half of Neo, but they also sell their own cars. I'm very curious about the Chinese customer. So, how are electric vehicles viewed and perceived in China? 
does the Chinese consumer actually just say, hey, we want to be environmental friendly, let's just purchase an electric car? Or are they saying that, hey, it's cheaper, there's subsidies, maybe I should buy an electric car? Yeah, so most of the, at least most of the, you know, buzz I've read online and when you talk to people in China anecdotally, it really seems to be not as much an environmental thing as just sort of a cost and function. So like I said, the traditional manufacturers, like you were earlier saying, BYD, their cars are priced very cheaply, right? Like $10,000, definitely well less than $20,000. So you see a lot of people buying a car in that price range because that's what they can afford. However, there are also a lot of quality issues with that type of price point. So actually, there's been a lot of reports how there's been backlash against electric vehicles on the part of Chinese consumers because the cars just aren't you know, functioning too well after a few years. That's on the low end. For most of the companies we're talking about today, though, the people who are truly trying to build China's Tesla competitors, those cars are much higher end, they're much better built, much smarter, and the subsidies are really what's affecting how Chinese people view cars, right? So as the subsidies are being removed, people are becoming a little bit more cautious about whether or not they should be shelling out so much money for a new car. Hmm. So I've alluded earlier that Alibaba backed Xiaopeng, Tencent backed New, and then Baidu backed Weima. Is the electric vehicle market just another extension of proxy war between the Chinese tech giants? And what would you think, in your opinion, are their intentions behind the market? I mean, yeah, like I think that for the Chinese internet giants, for sure they see the car as the next place where they can have a presence, right? It's sort of like the next big device now that smartphones are sort of at peak penetration. But it's not just, by the way, Tencent, Alibaba, and Baidu. I was going to mention that Lei Jun's Shunwei Capital, which basically you can think of it as the Xiaomi investment fund, is actually in both Neo and Xiaopeng. Both of the founders know Lei Jun apparently on a personal level and were able to get his investment. But going back to you know the internet giants being in this space, I mean it's pretty natural. Like Tencent's motto, for example, is to connect everything. So it's very easy for them to explain to their public shareholders why they would want to invest in electric vehicles. And I think for Alibaba, they've always had intentions of being more involved in you know anything related to the next frontier of technology. So I think for all of these companies, and Baidu, of course, being so heavy into AI and autonomous driving being a huge use case for AI, all of these have really natural narratives to extend into EVs. It's interesting that the way how I've read about the EV market in China, it seems the conversation is still on electric vehicles, but it doesn't talk about the autonomous vehicle side of things. Is it because the self-driving technology has not reached the level that they can actually be able to trial and test? Or am I really missing something that maybe there's also discussion on autonomous vehicles, it's just that not as popular as when we talk about electric vehicles in China itself? Uh, Maybe. I mean, I think, well, first of all, the electric vehicle startups are the ones who've really raised like billions of dollars, right? All of the companies we've mentioned have raised two to three billion dollars, something like that. Just like in the US, you know, you have 
Tesla talking about autonomous driving a lot. And then you have separate startups that are purely working on autonomous driving. And that's the same case in China. You also have a whole crop of startups that are not making their own cars, but are only making the software behind autonomous driving. And those startups look very different from the companies that we're talking about today. So maybe that's what you're referring to. I do know that in general, when companies such as Xiaopong or Neo are talking to the media, they do talk about autonomous driving. But so far from what I can see, Xiaopong has talked about you know level three down the road, but none of them are promising the same level of smartness, intelligence, or none of them are talking about robo-fleets or anything like Elon Musk is here in the U.S. So maybe that's why you have the impression that they're purely focused on just the car itself and less on the driving technology. Mm. And I guess it wouldn't be fair if I end the conversation without talking about the traditional car companies in China who have partnered with VW Group, who owns Volkswagen or GM Motors, such as the collaboration with Shanghai Automotive Company, and also non-traditional car companies such as BYD, and also now with Tesla entering into China, I think through Shanghai. Mm-hmm. So I guess how do these players fit into this EV market within China then? Yeah, like you said, Tesla has already opened their gigafactory in Shanghai. And for the other traditional car manufacturers, basically all of them have an electric vehicle strategy in China. I would say they are a little bit behind. So for example, the European manufacturer Renault has recently announced that they'll be manufacturing EVs in China. They actually very interestingly have a partnership with Alibaba. So it just goes to show again that the internet giants in China are involved in EVs, not just from an investment perspective, but also partnering with traditional car manufacturers. But the difference is that they are not as deeply involved, right? So for example, the partnership with Renault and Alibaba, Alibaba is just going to help them sell cars and do marketing and like sponsor their race cars, etc., versus invest in the subsidiary and actually take an equity stake. So I guess I would say pretty much, yeah, all the major manufacturers have a strategy and have already launched or are very shortly launching their own EVs in China. And of course, all these manufacturers are there because China is the largest EV market in the world. Wow. So I guess the story of EVs in China, we have to continue to talk about and probably you guys will cover the latest and the most hippiest things that are happening there. So I'm waiting for that. So Rima, many thanks for coming on the show and thank you for extending the discussion on the state of EVs in China. And I really benefited from it. In closing, my first question to you is, give me a recommendation that has impacted your life, both work and personally. I've been reading Waking Up by Sam Harris. Sam Harris is a philosopher, you know, meditator, and also neuroscientist trained in UCLA. And the book is basically on how to be spiritual without religion. And it's really great. I highly recommend it. He also has a podcast called Making Sense and an app also called Waking Up, both of which I subscribe to and I think are highly relevant for entrepreneurs and basically anyone who's interested in leading a more meaningful life. Mm. And how do my audience find you? 
very easy. My Twitter is just my full name, which is spelled R-U-I-M-A. I'm quite active on Twitter. And then if you are interested in hearing our podcast, it is available on iTunes under uh, Tech Buzz China. And that's two words, Tech Buzz, one word, and then space China. And it's in Pandeli produced by SubChina. Exactly. And you can definitely Google me at Bernard Leung. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, Luminary, Spotify, and Himalaya. This podcast is co-produced by Caroline and myself. And of course, tweet to us and give me your feedback. So once again, Rima, let's continue the conversation sometime soon and have a good day. Thank you so much. <laughs>